Good morning, everybody. The, the readings that we had this morning come from two very different parts of your Bible. The first reading comes from the Old Testament, where the prophet is foretelling of a day to come of this suffering servant. See, the people of Israel in their history, they were waiting for a king. They were waiting for a king to come and restore their nation to the glory that they were expecting as the chosen people of God. And so they were waiting and waiting and waiting for this amazing king, whereas their Old Testament, their prophets said, he's going to come, but not the way you expected, that he's going to come to die. And to suffer great sorrow for the joy of many. And then the second reading was the fulfillment of that prophecy. Where again, on Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem and he comes in and everyone is partying and celebrating and waving palm branches. And they think this is just the greatest thing in history because the king has now come to overthrow Rome and to build their empire. To build their great kingdom of glory on earth. To give them the power and the prestige that they so desire. (laughs) And yet just seven days later, their king is arrested in the middle of the night. And he's beaten and he's mocked and he's whipped to the point where he is unrecognizable physically. As the flesh is falling from his bones. And then he is nailed to a cross. And dies. Now it's interesting, depending on your your Christian tradition, maybe you grew up and uh, Good Friday was a very somber kind of day. Maybe you had different traditions of kind of wearing black on Good Friday or not eating meat on Good Friday or whatever that tradition has been for you. So often there's a little bit of a tension in this day of Good Friday, because if it's so bad, why is it called good? (laughs) And if you're not kind of familiar with the Bible, or maybe you're new to kind of Christianity, or you're just checking things out because a family member dragged you here today, right? There's this tension that we have. What's so good about Good Friday? Well, I want to help us explore that in our, the remainder of our time together today. And the way you, we have to do this to truly understand how good this is, why this Friday is so good, we have to talk about something that honestly I think most of us don't like to talk about. We have to talk today about your sin, Now, everyone just gets instantly uncomfortable around this topic for different reasons, right? Some people get uncomfortable around this topic of your sin because deep down, you honestly believe you don't have any. You're good. I mean, you're all right. And any shortcomings or anything that you might have in your life that isn't really up to where you wish it would be, well, at the end of the day, it's not your fault, right? It's your parents' fault, right? If they would have just raised you better, 
Right? I mean, if you were breastfed as a baby, you wouldn't have turned out this way. Oh, whatever it is. If your dad played catch with you a little bit more, whatever it is. Or it's your school teacher's fault. Or it's the country that you were born in's fault. Or it's the government's fault. See, we're living in a day and age today right now where we really, 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 really love blaming everybody but us. <laughs> Anyone else kind of notice that? And we have to be really honest. Do I do that? Because the reality is, is every single person in this room and every single person who's watching online, you have a shortcoming. Maybe you don't want to call it sin because it's just not a popular word. But you know deep down that there are things that you do that you wish you didn't do show of hands how many of you do things that you wish you didn't do okay there's a few hands that go up one or two (laughs) okay but then you also have the flip side of this right there are things that you wish you didn't do And you do them. You wish you didn't speak to your spouse that way, but you do. You wish that every single time at tax season, when you're filling out your income tax, and you go, if I just put a zero here, I get more money back. And you're fighting this urge, and you do it every, and you put the zero. And you never get caught. But you just know you shouldn't have put the zero there. right? So there's the things that you know you shouldn't do, and you do them. But what about the other side of it? The things that you wish you did, but you don't do them. Any of you struggle with that? There's just, man, I wish I was, I just spoke a word of encouragement to someone and I didn't do it. Or I wish I just invited my neighbor for a cup of coffee and I didn't do it. Like just, you wanted to be generous and you weren't. You wanted to be kind, but you weren't. See, that is what the Bible calls sin. And every single one of us has a shortcoming. All of us, no exception, right? And again, we live in this tension where we don't want to talk about the shortcomings. We don't want to talk about the sin because we live in a day and an age of kind of this pop psychology where you're awesome just the way you are. The way you are born is perfect. Well, as I evaluate my own life, I was born boastful, proud, lustful, and greedy. Those are my big four. (laughs) Is that perfect? (laughs) Is that the way I should live my life? (laughs) Right? All of us have got these things that we're born with, and we got to take our eyes off of the person sitting beside us. Or the person at the other side of the room, or the person outside of the building, and say that all the problems in the world are out there or because of this. You know, when we kind of look at our own lives and say, well, at least I don't treat my wife like the way that guy does. Or at least I volunteer in my church more than she does. Or at least I'm not as bad of a person as they are. At least I've never done this like they do. At least, at least, at least. And see, Good Friday is the perfect day to take our eyes off of everybody else. 
and to put your eyes on you, on me. <laughs> no, don't put your eyes on me. I'm putting my eyes on me. <laughs> okay? We put our eyes on ourselves to truly understand how good this day is. In the passage that was just read uh, from Matthew's gospel, a lot of the text from Matthew's gospel um, comes from Mark's gospel. And what I always find fascinating when you study the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I love finding where there's some commonality between them. Because when things are kind of repeated and repeated and repeated, those are kind of the things that I love to study and to sit in them a little bit longer going, God, why are you repeating this twice? Why are you repeating this three times? Why are you repeating this four times? Maybe there's a lesson here for all of us to learn in the fact that it's being repeated so often. And what happens is just like when we were little kids and our parents say, clean your room. And yeah, 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 I'll get to it. And clean your room. Yeah, 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 I'll get to it. Yeah, 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 clean your room. I'll get to it. And you never really get to it. Yeah. <laughs> right? The same is true for us as followers of Jesus. Just because it's in here two or three or four times doesn't mean we always get to it. And that's what I want us to do this morning is I want us to get to it. I want us to clean our room and see the power of one little verse that's in Matthew's gospel and again, in Mark's gospel, that I think is crucial for followers of Jesus in this culture where we just want to put the blame on everybody else to really step into the call that we have as the church. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 15. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to follow along. I'm just going to read six verses about the death of Jesus from Mark 15, starting in verse 33. It says these words, it says, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Elijah is one of the big prophets of the Old Testament. So someone ran, they filled a sponge with wine vinegar, they put it on a staff and they offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes and takes to take him down. This is kind of this pattern that we constantly see in Jesus' ministry. Everyone's looking for the show. Right? When Jesus fed 3,000, they just want to see the show. When Jesus raised someone from the dead, they want to see the show. When he gave a hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind, when the lame would walk, when the lepers are cured. See, Jesus actually even had to challenge the people when they kept looking for things from Jesus. Eventually, Jesus turned around to them and said, there's no more bread. I'm the bread. There's no miracles here because your faith is just in me is not here. Jesus turns around and says, it's about me. But they're constantly just looking for the show. And now here they are again in the death of Jesus. The people are still looking for a show. Let's see if Elijah comes and takes him down. And instead, this happens with a loud cry. Jesus breathed his last. And then this is the verse that I want us to camp out in. It's verse 38, which is so easy to miss and so easy to ignore. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. We read about darkness that comes over the land while Jesus hung on the cross. We read about Jesus crying out to God, someone bringing him vinegar to drink, Jesus crying out, taking his last breath. We have this Roman centurion, the government that Jesus' people were hoping were going to be overthrown. (laughs) And he's one of the first to declare Jesus as Lord, as the Son of God. And then this small, tiny verse, verse 38, in the middle of this account of Jesus' death, The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, if you're new to Christianity or if you're new to the Bible, uh, this verse probably makes no sense. It's like, what curtain? What's being talked about here? Right. And for those of us who do know what that curtain is, again, because we know it, it's easy to miss the significance of Mark 15, verse 38. Because we have a head knowledge of Mark 15, 38. But we're not living in the power of Mark 15, 38. <laughs> the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, in the city of Jerusalem, uh, quite a distance from where Jesus was being crucified was the temple. This is the Jewish temple where the Jewish people would offer animal sacrifices to God for the people of Israel to pay for their sin. The people of Israel believe that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. And so they built this entire sacrificial system around people laying their sin upon these animals whether it's a goat, whether it's a lamb, whether it's a bull, whether it's a pigeon, whether it's a dove. Different sins require different sacrifices. Sometimes they had to bring food or grain or oils to the temple. Again, for different celebrations and for different atonement, pay for the sin. That's the atonement means that it's got to be paid for by someone. And the temple of Jerusalem had many different rooms, and each room accomplished something different in the worship of God. And so there's this one room that at the back of the room was the holy place. And at the back of that room was a large curtain, and that large curtain blocked the next room, which was called the most holy place. They really had a great marketing team to to put these words together. It was God, by the way, okay, who came up with these terms. But you have the holy place, and then within the holy place, blocked by a ginormous curtain, is the most holy place. Maybe your Bible translation calls it the holy of holies. And this was the place where God's special dwelling among his people was. The full presence and the glory of God. Think about that. The full presence and glory of God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The Bible that the people of Israel learned about, that when Moses wanted to see God's full glory, God said, you can't see my full glory because if you do, you would surely die. And for Moses to even experience just a little taste of God's full glory, 
He had to kind of hide his face in the crack of a mountain. And then God put his hand over the crack and then God could pass by. That's how amazing the full presence and glory of God is. And it's there among his people in the temple. But it's blocked off by this curtain, by this thick, heavy veil. Like the dimensions of this curtain are ginormous. I I try to picture, how did people even make this? The curtain is 60 feet high. It's 30 feet across. And it's four inches thick. I don't think you picked that up at Ikea. I picture like a thousand little old ladies trying to sew this thing together for a thousand years. Like, how long did it take to make this thing? But a little part of me goes, oh, that would probably be the best curtain to help me sleep in on a Saturday Saturday morning. To like keep all the sunlight out of my room. (laughs) So I could sleep in a little bit. Like, nothing gets through this curtain. Yet the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. See, this is a tiny little detail, and it can seem very insignificant, but we as followers of Jesus, when we look at our sin, our shortcomings, see, the reason why the full presence and the glory of God is behind the curtain is for two reasons. Is because of our shortcomings, because of our sin, we can't enter into the full presence and the glory of God. We can't enter. And also, the other flip side of that is because of God's incredible holiness, we are kept separate. We can't go in. And and God is desperate to come to us, but because of our sin and our shortcomings, we're at this distance. And Jesus' death changes the game. Jesus' death, when he cried out his last, it is finished. It wasn't, it is finished Now, let's make up a whole bunch of new rules for people to keep. It is finished. Now, you better do this and this and this and this and this. And you better not do that and that and that and that. Because when Jesus cried out his last and darkness just filled the land, the curtain that kept the full glory of the presence of God separate from humanity was torn from top to bottom. 60 feet, four inches thick. You couldn't have ripped that thing if you tried. I kind of picture, like, again, when people say, well, you know, Christianity is fake and it's just a story. The the problem with that response is we have too much evidence about Jesus' death and resurrection that's very, very easy to disprove. Like, if you want to disprove this story, the Jewish people could have just showed them the curtain. 
here it is, untorn, <laughs> right? <laughs> you don't even, like, I mean, the whole body of Jesus, we need, like, there's so many things. <laughs> if we actually would just use our heads a little bit, <laughs> we could see that this has got to be true because it could have easily been disproven within days. Why would you die for something when someone could just show you the curtain? It's right there, dude. Like, there it is. Didn't happen. But the curtain was torn in two. And this freaked out the entire Jewish system. Because now what do we do? That the full presence of the glory of God has now just been made available to everybody. That's what happened. See, the Jewish people believed that the full presence of the glory of God was just for them. It's our presence. It's our glory. We're God's chosen people. And that's why Jesus kind of came and said, oh, my goodness. This is the Kevin paraphrase of Jesus's ministry. Where he says, what are you doing? Like, God has given you his law. He's given you his commandment, not so that you can show off to the world how great you are, but so that you could show off to the world how great God is. God said, I blessed you as my children, not so that you could just hoard it, but I blessed you so that you could be a blessing to the entire world. And I gave you the law, not so that you could look at the sin of other people. I gave you the law so that you could look at your own sin and say, my God, do I need you in my life? Because <laughs> I'm not good enough. And I'm not smart enough. And I'm not educated enough. And I'm not religious enough to ever please you. But thank you that there is this suffering servant who will die for me. <laughs> right? The full presence of the glory of God <laughs> is available. That's why Good Friday is good. Even in the death of Jesus, even in the plans of the disciples completely being unraveled, even in this what looks to be like the worst thing that could ever happen, this is the greatest miracle to ever set foot into human history. That the full presence of the glory of God is available to you. Now, here's the challenge some people. Live like it's not. I still need to perform. If I only, if I would stop, then maybe the full presence of God would be made available to me. Sadly, I think that's where we are stuck as a lot of Christians. That the veil is torn the full glory of God is fully available to us, and yet we don't enter in. We step back and go, yeah, but God, if you really knew what I was like, if you really knew what I was thinking, if you really knew how I treated people. And we actually forget that God already knows. He already knows all your sin. He knows all of my sin. He already knows what I think of people. He already knows how I behave. He already knows all my inner thoughts. And yet, he still loves me. 
and his full glory and presence in my life is available. Not because I was good enough to rip the veil myself, but because Jesus was good enough to die. And it's his death, his willing death, to deal with our sin, our shortcomings. His death made the full presence of God available to all people. So exactly like before, how this curtain, it kept people out and it kept God away, it's now open. And all of us have to make a choice. It's available. Am I welcoming it? The full presence of God into my life. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, it's real easy to do. You don't need a class. You don't need a course. You don't need a seminary degree. The Bible teaches us this in the book of Romans. And it's just believe and confess. I believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he died for my sin. Father, forgive me. Come into my life. I need the fullness of your presence in my life. You pray like that, it's there. And then for those of us who have prayed that way before, we need to remind ourselves it's available. When we feel like we have to get it together, we have to figure this out, we have to solve, we need to do, we need to just stop and say, Father, forgive me that I'm living my life like the veil is not torn. That I'm living like my life like it all depends on how smart I am and how well I'm doing my job or how well I'm leading my family or all of these things that we wrestle with. And we say, Father, forgive me for doing it on my own. I know the fullness of your presence is available because the veil has been torn. It's come into my life in a powerful way. See, that's why... We take communion together to, to remember what this Good Friday is all about. That it's not our religious tradition that brings the full presence of the glory of God into our lives. It's not that we were able to manipulate things and we tore the curtain because of how amazing we are. It's that that most holy of holy places left the temple, became available to all people because Jesus went to the cross. That his body was broken. And so without thinking about the sin or the shortcoming of the people around you, because <laughs> that's easy, <laughs> I want you to think about the sin or the shortcoming in your own life. And maybe they're broad categories for you. Like I shared a couple of broad, how was I born? I was born prideful, sinful, arrogant, lustful, greedy. Those are just some of my defaults that God has done so much work in my life on. Maybe you've got a broad category. Maybe you've got something specific. That there's someone in my life where I'm not, I've just not been treating well. Or I have a behavior at work that is just not Right or I've been cheating on my taxes, or I've been cheating on a test at school, whatever, there's no guilt or any shame in that. Because guess what? 
everybody's got one. You're in good company here. With that sin in mind, take the cup. In the very first layer, there's a little uh, clear peel back, and it opens up to this wafer that represents the body of Christ. And if you didn't get one, we have ushers in the back that can bring one to you. Just raise your hand if you didn't get one when you came in. Perfect. Over here. Thank you. But with that sin, that shortcoming in mind, you take this wafer that represents the body of Christ that went to the cross for you. And you just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken for me. So let's take this in remembrance of him. In the temple worship, there's a little part of me that wishes, you know, maybe it's the sci-fi nerd in me that wishes time travel was real. Because um, I'd love to go to the temple and see what this was like. This was probably a gong show. Like, it, it, was, it must have been nuts. Thousands and thousands of people bringing in screaming and crying animals and priests slaughtering the animals and throwing blood on the altar. And there's like, there's like fire and smoke and horns and all of this stuff going on. It's like, wow. And we don't need to deal with any of that. Instead, we can think of our shortcomings, the sin in our lives, and say, Father, I'm so thankful that it's not about some religion that makes me clean. <laughs> that it's the blood of Jesus that made me clean. And that's what the second part of this cup is. If you peel back kind of the foil part, it opens up the juice, which represents the spilt blood of Jesus. When Jesus allowed sinful men and women to nail him to the cross, where he, his blood was spilt in such a way... <laughs> That it was normally the way that criminals were killed and executed. And this innocent man, the son of God, his blood was spilt so that we could experience the full presence of the glory of God. Let's take this in remembrance of him. My prayer today and, and many, many, many times during the week is that you, that we, would be men, women, boys, and girls who live out of the power and the presence of God in our lives. That we would recognize that we all have shortcomings, repentance, forgiveness, just as a regular part of the Christian experience. <laughs> We ask for forgiveness regularly. We give forgiveness regularly <laughs> as we develop this habit of hearing and listening to the full presence and glory of God who walks with us. That's my prayer. 
that that would be more and more true in your family, that that would be more and more true in your workplace, (laughs) that that would be more and more true at your school, that that would be more and more true here as a church family, that that would be more and more true across churches all across our city, that that would be more and more true across churches across our nation and around the world, (laughs) that we would live our lives because the veil, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's why Good Friday is good news. So let's continue to worship our great king together. Let's pray. Lord God, I praise you and thank you for the death of Jesus. That he paid a price that I could not pay. And that he accomplished something that I could never accomplish that he made the full presence of the glory of God available to all people, (laughs) that Jesus made the full presence of the glory of God available to me. Just some guy. There's nothing special about me, (laughs) except for the fact that we're all created in the image and likeness of God and that God loves you (laughs) so much. that he wants his presence to be with you. And so, Lord, I pray that your presence would be more and more real in our lives as we worship you today and each and every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 